Again, yeah, my name's Todd Westfall. I've been at, I've been at El Shaddai Congregation 28 years, and uh, the senior leader there for 18. So you need to pray for the people at El Shaddai, because they've had me there a long time. But we have a great group of leaders and, and people, um, just a small community of a couple hundred people, uh, Jews and Gentiles who worship Jesus together, who love Yeshua. Uh, kind of our the heart of our community is... Yeshua-centered, Holy Spirit-filled, Messianic, Jewish-rooted community. Say that really fast a bunch of times. So that's who we are. Um, yeah, we believe that there's a calling for Jewish people to come to know their Messiah. Uh, and that it's part of the end-time scenario for the kingdom. And I won't get too eschatological here and any of the other ologels. But um, uh, it's exciting to be working in the kingdom. You know, the gospel that Yeshua said will be preached was the gospel of the kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached, then the end will come. So uh, it's not just a gospel of salvation uh, and coming to faith, but it's a gospel of being connected and reconnected to the God of all creation and being made part of his kingdom and his family. Scripture says... That we've been translated, those of us who believe in Jesus, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. So we're all kingdom people here. And, and we all have a role in the kingdom and a place in the kingdom. Jew, Gentile, male, female, all one in Him. So before I read, let's pray together over the Word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful, that it's able to transition our hearts to be more like Jesus. And we welcome the Holy Spirit. Bo Ruach Elohim. Come, Spirit of God, come. Lord, you tell us that you follow your word to perform it, that you place your word above your name. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is truth and that truth sets us free. We're hungry for truth this morning, Lord. Speak to us, God. Lord, we don't want to just hear someone telling a bunch of stories. God, we want an encounter with your word today. We want an encounter with your spirit today. Lord, we want an encounter that changes us and makes us more like Jesus today. Build our faith, God. Strengthen our faith as a community here at Living Hope. And we thank you for all you have purposed today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So I was raised in Minnesota. You might hear a little bit of that skosh and you betcha coming out of me a little bit once in a while. Uh, the Navy brought me to the West Coast and then to the East Coast where then I met my wife and we were married. Deborah's here sitting in the back, my wife Deborah. Of 33 years. What a blessing. She deserves a medal. <laughs> for being connected to me that long. Um, and uh, I was raised by a Danish cheese eating pig farmer. So, And then the Lord has called me now to lead a Messianic Jewish congregation. <laughs> so uh, there you go. I was discipled by Rabbi Ted Simon. And, and Rabbi Asher in Trader. Who now lives in, in Israel. And has been in ministry there for 25 years. Revive Israel, preaching the gospel in Hebrew 
and seeing people come to faith. Uh, and it's, it's a powerful connection. Israel is a nation that's important to the Lord uh, because he chose them. Uh, and you can ask him why when you see him. But it is uh, the apple of his eye. It's a place that he chose to establish his name and to bring salvation to all nations through the Jewish people. Uh, and there's still a calling for them according to Romans 11. Well, 9, 10, and 11. That there's a regrafting in coming of the Jewish people into faith to know their Messiah. And uh, it's a great thing to see. Uh, it's a prophetic marker for us as a people of God. We have something that John Wesley didn't have. We have something that Martin Luther didn't have. We have something that the Wycliffs and the Tyndales didn't have as reformers. And that is a sovereign, democratic, self-governing Israel. Yeshua didn't have that. Jesus didn't have that. Rome was over them at that time. They hadn't really been led as a sovereign nation with a king since Jehoshaphat. And our generation has an independent, sovereign nation of Israel, only 70 years old. That's a huge prophetic marker for the kingdom for us. Uh, God's doing things in the earth. And uh, we get to be part of it. I look at this community of people, and, and many of you know how large you were years ago and where you're at now. But I want you to know that the Lord changed the world with 12 Changed the world with 12 on-fire Talmudim, disciples that were sold out for the work of the kingdom. So, Frederick's going to get a great awakening as we join our forces downtown. There's a lot of people down there need the Lord. And they're being gathered, you know. Our state now has homosexual marriage, so we got a lot of homosexuals that need to know the Lord. We get in a lot of people in here that are lost and in darkness. And uh, we get to be salt and light. We get to be the ones that lead them to the Lord. I remember praying and fighting politically for that not to be passed in our state years ago. Interceding, crying out to the Lord. And then we lost politically. And it, and it politically gets changed. And they start politically defining what marriage is when we know the Bible really defines it and all of the wrestlings with that. And I remember being in a circle of pastors and all of us just feeling like we got hit in the stomach. And then the Holy Spirit came on me and said, are you ready? Are you ready to love people into my kingdom? Are you ready for the broken and hurting, lost people that were going to come to your state and city now? Because I'm bringing them for you to share the truth with them. A couple of weeks ago, I was blessed to be having lunch with a friend from Israel. We went to Barley and Hops. Of all places, I'd never eaten there before. And we were actually on our way to Uno's over on 355. Or 85 or wherever it is over there. And I just said, well, let's eat here. We haven't eaten here. So we got in and we eat in this young girl... 18 soccer player, soccer player, uh, came and was serving. I mean, she was just excellent, on fire, young woman of God, just full of energy. What do you want? Hey, how are you doing? Just, just full of life and energy. And the whole time we're doing our order and we're talking, I'm getting a burden more and more from the Lord. 
saying, you need to pray for this girl. And I'm just, I'm just kind of, you know, hearing from the Lord. So we get close to where we're going to get the bill. And, and um, I say, hey, you know, you don't know me, but I'm a local pastor. And, and the Holy Spirit's just really putting you on my heart. Do you need prayer for anything? Are you doing okay? And she just broke and started crying. Her father had passed away a couple months ago. Her father was like her best friend, supported her, went to all of her matches, you know, and she's going to be playing soccer for uh, FCC now. And, and she's just really broken. And I said, you know, your heavenly father sent me here to let you know that he knows the brokenness of your heart and that he loves you and that he's always with you. Well, I was, we didn't have Bibles and we're not religious people. I said, that's good. I'm not religious either. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He cares about your life. He cares about what you face. And she's just crying and she goes, can, can I just give you a hug? So we give her a hug. She gives both of us a hug and we're praying for her. And then she gets really quiet and she kneels down by the, the table and says, um, how, how does your church feel about lesbians and gay people? I said, we love them. We love them. She kind of went back, well, what? I said, absolutely. My Bible says God so loved the world. I think lesbians and gays are in the world. God loves you. We love you. She was like, that's not the normal reaction I get when I go to other churches. I said, well, when you come to El Shaddai, you're going to come face to face with the love of God. Do you know you can love people and not agree with what they do? Do you know that our love that was given to us was not conditional? This hope that we have in the Lord bears no condition to it. It was unconditional love given to us. And he wants to unconditionally love through us as his body to other people who are broken. He is fully capable of revealing his truth when someone comes to know him. I know what I was like when I came to faith. I was not a good person. I was not a nice person. I was a selfish person. But as I came face to face with my Savior, he changed me. I began to read his word and I began to realize how much I wanted to know him more. So this is our mission. This is our call as a body. This isn't even my message, but I just wanted to share it with you. That this is a congregation <clears throat> that isn't just named Living Hope, but has been planted here by the Lord to be Living Hope to this city and to this county. That's who you are. When you look in the mirror, that's who you are. And the Lord can use you mightily and will use you mightily and is using you mightily. So don't be weary in well-doing. Get your boots on. <laughs> He's getting ready to bring you downtown. It's a whole other world down there. It's a whole other group of people that you're going to encounter. Lots of broken Hispanic families, mixed marriages, all kinds of tattoos and piercings and all kinds of amazing things.
God loves everybody. He was pierced for our transgressions. So we get to reach out and love them. We're living in a season, biblically, that's known as the month of Elul. Can everybody say Elul? And I think they said I had three hours to speak, so I'm really excited about that. Um, Elul is the month that precedes the fall feasts of the Lord. If you read in Leviticus 23... You lead, you'll read about the Jewish feasts. Many of you have heard of Passover and Yom Kippur and all these Jewish feasts. But when you read them in the Bible, they're referred to as the feasts of the Lord. I wonder what Lord those are the feasts of. They're the feasts of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And in these feasts, he unfolds and reveals himself more and more. So the month of Elul is a a preparatory month. Jewish people all over the world are preparing their hearts for Yom Kippur, preparing their hearts for the Feast of Atonement, where traditionally when the temple was there, they would make a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem and sacrifice lambs to cover their sins for the year. They would do it every year. But we know... That the Lamb of God has come and shed His blood once for all. But did you realize in reading in Hebrews that He went to the heavenly holy of holies with His own blood as our high priest and poured out His blood in the heavenly altar of, you know, in the, the temple in heaven. There's a heavenly tabernacle and an earthly tabernacle. It's an interesting thought that the perfect Lamb of God, shed His blood for us, for all of Israel, to bring fulfillment to the prophets of Israel, and to bring salvation to all of humanity. So when we study these feasts, we find this beautiful picture, this exciting picture of who Jesus is as the one who atones for our sin. We as believers, believing Jews and Gentiles, don't worship and celebrate the feast like the Jewish people who don't know the Lord. There are elements of truth that they have, but there's a fulfillment that we're walking in. And by the grace of the Lord, we've seen many Jewish people come to faith in our services the last few years. In the middle of our worship, we've had people just call on the name of the Lord and come and say, I need Jesus as my Messiah. And we've seen many Gentiles come to faith in the Lord. I believe that we're living in a season where the Lord is turning pages. Uh, He's going from turning pages to turning chapters. Things are being expedited in the work of the kingdom. So if you turn with me to Deuteronomy 14, I want to read a little bit about some things that are done in these feast times, and then we're going to get right into the Gospels, and I'll close there. But one of the things that happen in almost all of the Jewish feasts and festivals is that there's a heart to help the lost and needy. There's a heart to help the poor and downtrodden. Uh, it, it's in the moral law of God. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's in all of the 613 commandments in the Old Covenant. Uh, and then manifest in the 1100 commandments of the New Covenant. It's a beautiful picture You heard about Ruth and Boaz and that Ruth and Naomi 
came back and were living and they were gleaning the fields of Boaz. That was one of the ways that the Jewish people were to help the poor and needy was to not harvest all of their crops, but to leave the edges of their fields so that the poor could come and harvest and have something to eat. It's an awesome picture of God's heart to provide for all people. So in chapter 15 of Deuteronomy, um, I'm going to start in verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved. When you give to him, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother and to your poor and to your needy in your land. Let's go to uh, Psalms for a little while together here. If I was to title this message, I would title it C. S-E-E. C. In Hebrew, Re. A couple weeks ago, uh, we have a, a tradition throughout Judaism where they read through the Bible every year together. It's called the Parshot reading. And they read through all of the scriptures and and find application and do teachings from them. So we as a Messianic Jewish congregation read through the Bible, but we also implement New Covenant scriptures into that reading, which most of Judaism doesn't do. But it was a a Shabbat that talked about being able to see. And the scripture talks a lot about that. Talks about being able to see. So let's start in Psalm 27. This psalm for the next 40 days within Judaism is read every morning. And the, the ram's horn is sounded every morning. Psalm 27 is a powerful psalm of faith. And I want to encourage you in the Lord and in your devotional time to pick up this psalm and begin to read a little bit and let the Lord strengthen your heart. So I'm going to read through that for us here together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Hmm. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, in that I will seek. You know, you can't have the word seek without the word see. That I will seek. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. We just did that a little earlier, didn't we? I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen up against me. And as such as breathe out violence, I would have lost heart. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This picture is so clear that as we seek the Lord in our times of adversity and trial, and we look to him for strength, there's something that he said we will see. Did you pick up the sea? We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That if we seek Him and we look for Him, we will see Him. And we won't just see Him as a judge and as one who is condemning and and, and rigid and strict, but we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Why is it so important to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Because the scripture says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. I don't know of anyone that's been brought to salvation through the judgment and accusations of a body of believers or from the Lord. So they think. We all come unto him because he is good. And He is faithful. And He loves us. And it's that love that draws us in. So in this season, I want to encourage you to seek the Lord. Some of us as believers think the Lord likes to play hide and seek. Lord, what is your will for us? Lord, show me your will. Lord, I want to know your will for me. Show me what you want me to do. How can I follow you? I want to see you. But that's not really how the Lord operates. My Bible says, seek the Lord with all of your heart and you will find him. He plays seek and find, 
not hide and seek. He wants us to find him. He's not running from us. He's running to us. Oftentimes we find ourselves are the ones running away from him. But when we wake up and turn around, which means to return to Shuva in the Hebrew, which is a season of repentance, a season of turning back to God. So Psalm 34 in verse 8 is a beautiful verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The more we taste and see, the more we see the goodness of the Lord, the more we're drawn to Him, the more we seek to be like Him. In Psalm 40, in verse 2, He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. So there's something that happens When we find the Lord and when we begin to worship, many of us have experienced the anointed presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of worship. There's an awe that comes over the soul of a believer in the presence of the Lord. Often labeled as fear, not a terror, but a respectful awe of the weightiness of God's authority and who he is in his tabernacle. In the presence of his people. Psalm 52. 53. Sorry about that. Psalm 53 verse 2. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men. To see if there are any who understand. Who seek God. So here's another picture. Not only does the Lord want us to see, but the scripture says he's looking to see. He's watching for those who are seeking him. The Lord is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So not only are we seeking to find him, but he is looking to be with us. Desiring to live in the midst of his people And to worship together. And for us to have interaction with him. Psalm 69 verses 30 through 33 talk about how the humble will see and be glad. See there's something that takes place in the life of a believer. We know that he is our savior. That he has redeemed us and set us free. That he has written our name in the Lamb's book of life. But we also know that he is our Lord, that he is in charge, right? And there is a submission when it comes to the prayer of salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Savior, that Jesus is Lord, You will be saved. You see, it's the authority of his name that brings salvation to us. It's the power that comes in his name. And it's that power that will bring down the strongholds of those witch doctors in Haiti. It's the power of his name and blood that will break through the darkness in your life, in my life, in our city, 
in our state. We are wanting to see God break through in power. Humility is at the core of our authority as believers. Jesus said, I'll give you authority. And he sent out the 70 and in his name, demons were cast out and amazing miracles happened. And they came back telling these amazing stories. And Yeshua said, Jesus said, don't, don't be amazed at that. Rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. There is an authority that we have, and that authority comes through humility. The scripture tells us, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We can't just resist in our own strength or our own giftings or our own knowledge. We must submit ourselves to the Lord. And his authority and say, Lord, I am submitted. I am your servant. I am your child. I am your son, your daughter. And there is an attack coming against my family. And in your name, I resist this attack. And the authority of his name, the fame of his name, will come to bear in that situation. So in 69, says that I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up in verse 29 on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull, which has horns and hooves. The humble shall see this and be glad. And you who seek God, your hearts shall live. One more psalm. Is everybody doing okay? Psalm 97. Start in verse 1. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitudes of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord, the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness. And all the people see his glory. How many of you really would love to see the glory of the Lord? Be present. Come on. That is our heart. To see his presence. To see his glory. Yeah. Come on, Lord. Show us your face, Lord. Hallelujah. So, let's go to Matthew. And I'm going to read through a few verses here together. And we'll see the goodness of the Lord. Matthew 25. Well, let's start. Let's start verse 5. Chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 14. 
very familiar to all of us. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do the do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So not only do we want to see the glory of the Lord, but if we as believers are actually the temples of the Lord housing His presence, His presence and glory can be seen by those who are around us. By just allowing His love and light to shine out of us. I know all of us here could probably give testimony of moments that the Lord has used us to pray with people. Used us to share of His love and grace with people. Amen? He wants us to see. But He also wants to be seen in us. And here's a way that He reveals it. Final chapter of the day. Matthew 25, verse 20. We'll start in verse... Just for the sake of time, let's start in 33. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. I believe that the Lord is wanting to reveal himself in a new, deep way to us as believers. What are some of the ways that we worship the Lord? By reading His Word? By prayer? Intercession? Fasting? Seeking His face? Worship? But also one of the ways we see the Lord is by helping the needy and preaching the gospel. Jesus reveals Himself differently in all of those ways. When we're seeking Him in His Word, we see His authority and power. We see his miracles and he reveals himself to us as Adonai, as the Lord God Almighty. When we worship him, there's this fatherly presence that comes on us that he ministers to our souls. And his presence comes and brings wholeness and peace to our souls. When we pray and we seek him in prayer, we learn to hear his voice. 
He said, my sheep know my voice and the voice of another they will not listen to. But he reveals himself differently in the poor and the needy. He reveals himself differently when we open up and step outside of our comfort zone and outside of our ability, uh, even that we think within the word, and we go out on a limb to help someone. You know, we all see the homeless in our city. We see them on the exits when we're leaving, asking for money. God wants us to use wisdom, but he also wants us to see him in that opportunity to help the poor. To take them to get a meal, whatever the case might be. We know we don't want to enable an addiction. We don't want to enable something that we're doing. But we use that as an excuse and then we really do nothing. God wants us to do something. Sometimes we can support the rescue mission and, and some of those places, the cold weather shelter and, and all of those places in our city which are all good. But not in our giving do we really get to see, just in an offering, the Lord the way we get to see Him when we give somebody needy something to eat. When we help wipe the tears from a broken soul that life has just eaten up and spit out, Have they made bad decisions? Yeah. But I'm telling you that God loves them. And he will reveal himself. You will see him in their eyes. Romans 1 tells us that every human being born is born with the knowledge of God inside of them. And that truth can be suppressed. And then they suppress that truth And begin to believe the lie that they evolved out of the mud or whatever thing they choose to believe. And they suppress the truth and they suppress the truth. But the Lord brings people like us across their path to say, do you know how precious you are to God? Well, I don't even believe in God. Well, he believes in you. He sent his son, his only son. To die for you. That's how much he believes in you. You don't have to know him right now. But he knows you. In this broken state. In this fallen state. In your need. We don't want to just give people a bunch of food and clothes. And not tell them about the Lord. We want them to know the Lord by our actions that match our words. We see the Lord in his word. We see the Lord in our devotions. We see the Lord in our worship. But do we see Him in the lost and needy in our city? In the hurting, broken? Yeshua taught us who our neighbor is. We know about the Good Samaritan. We know about the stories of helping those who are broken. Those aren't just stories that are supposed to be good movies and make us feel good. Those are commands from the Lord to love people and to help people. There's so many, 7 billion people on the planet. Almost 2 billion are believers in Messiah. There are yet more who do not believe than believe. 
Well, pastor, you're getting a little big there. I'm just one person. I can't reach five billion people. Have you guys heard the story about the starfish on the beach? There were thousands and thousands of starfish that were washed up onto a beach. And the sun was baking them and they were dying. And this one guy walking on the beach reached down and he picked up one starfish and he threw it into the ocean. He walked up to another one and he picked it up, threw it into the ocean. Someone came and said, what? What are you doing? There's like thousands of starfish. How are you going to make an impact? How is this even going to mean anything? Percentage-wise in what's being done. And he lifted up one and he said, it means something to this one. And he threw it in. We don't have to think that we have to share with every single person that we see to the right and left, but we have to learn to hear his voice and see him in the opportunity. Kairos moments, Moedim moments, divinely appointed moments to see Yeshua, Jesus, come to bear in the life of a person, the way he has come to bear in our life. That is living hope. That is living hope everywhere you go. Not living hope as in, I'm hoping, but being living hope. When people come into this congregation, into this church, they are coming into living hope. Because of who you are in the Lord. Young, old, it doesn't matter. There's no junior Holy Spirit. We just heard about an eight-year-old. Had the same thing happen in Mexico in 99 on a mission trip. Down in Yucatan, down in Merida. You know where all the Mayans were worshiping and all the temples are down there with human sacrifices and demonic oppression. And we're going into this little village and this little girl comes out and we share the gospel and she comes to faith. And for the next five houses down the neighborhood, she comes out bringing the whole family out. And they all accept the Lord. Eight-year-old girl just came to faith. How long can we wait until we can make an impact in someone's life? Do we have to go to Bible school? Do we have to know Greek and Hebrew? Good Lord, we know the King of kings and Lord of lords. Our city is crying out and is ripe for the gospel. And you're getting ready to be planted right in the heart of our city. And the Lord wants you to share his heart and his love for people. What if they don't receive it? It's not our job. John 10 tells us that the father brings the increase. No one comes unless the father draws them. It's our job to love people and to love them into the kingdom and to to be willing to do that. So we have a ministry called Dorcas Ministry at El Shaddai. It's been going for a long, long time where we give clothes and some food to people who come. And some Saturdays we'll have 70 people at the door waiting to get in. And we just share the gospel and pray with them and give them some clothes. One family came over and none of their, they were immigrants and they had come over and they had none of their suitcases or clothes came and they had a family of seven. And we were able to get clothes for their whole family. This isn't boasting, this is just who we are. 
You know? How then shall we live? Isn't that a book? It's a good book. You read that book? Young people need to read that book. It's where what would Jesus do came from. Remember the things people used to wear? WWJD and all that. Super cool, nifty stuff. All came from this book of a pastor who brought in this broken man and loved him. Yeah. We just need to be obedient. If the Lord says speak to him, speak to him. Pray for him, pray for him. And we'll see changes come in us. And we will see Jesus like we've never seen him before. Amen. Let's pray together. Yeah, if the worship team could come up. I just want to have a moment for us to have a response to his word and just submitting to Dave, to you, and to to Craig and what you guys have. Just here to serve with you. Lord, we just honor you and we're so grateful that we're here. We're here because of you, Jesus. We're here, Heavenly Father, because you sent your Son and he's changed our life. We are not who we used to be. And we desire, Lord, to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit and to make an impact from your love to people in our life. Many of us have unsaved loved ones, family members. Many of us have neighbors that need to know the Lord. And uh, some of us really don't share until we go on a mission trip. But Lord, I pray that we would see the mission field right under our feet in our local colleges, in our local schools. Um, Lord, that we would see it in all the restaurants that we go to and sporting events that we attend. That there's an opportunity. Lord, I believe that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. And that people come across our path aren't just enemies to attack us, but they're actually broken people who need the hope we have. And that we're to be a people ready to give account for the hope that's in us. So break our hearts again, God. Help us to rend our hearts and not our garments. Lord, help us just to realize that we're more than we see in the mirror. Help us to see Jesus in our own eyes when we look in the mirror and the work of his truth in our life. So I'm going to ask a couple questions for response and I don't know if you're a come forward kind of community or a stay where you are, but I really just have a sense just where you are. The Lord is here in our midst, moving in our hearts. But if the Lord is awakening, there's going to be two questions. One, the Lord is awakening to you a new way for you to be able to see him. Would you just raise your hands? I want to pray for you. See those hands. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself to your people. Lord, we lift up our hands in submission to you as our Lord. And we say, Lord, help us to see beyond political correctness, to see beyond politics, God. 
Lord, help us not to politicize the gospel and thereby build walls around it that the ones that need it the most can't even receive it. Help us to tear down our walls and to see you, Jesus, at the point of the need. That when we see a homosexual couple, that we reach out to them with the love of the Lord and and declare the goodness of God in the land of the living so they can see it and be drawn to you. Jesus, help us to see the broken and hurting, the homeless, the drug addicted. Lord, heroin is just prevalent in our city. Father, young people and old people are dying by the thousands, seeking a high, seeking to escape when they really need to know you, Lord, who can heal their broken heart. You said, come on to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Help us, Lord, not just to see a drug addict or a gang member, but to see a broken person that needs the Lord. In our schools, Lord, help us to see the athletes and the cheerleaders and those in music and drama as those who need the Lord beyond what they're gifted to be able to do. And we ask that you would use us. Hineni. Here I am, Lord, send me. Hinenu. Here we are, Lord, send us. Then there's a, just another burden that's just been on my heart since I've been here. This has been a, a really a battle season and a hard season for this community. I don't know all the details, but I can sense it in your hearts. And one of the key things that the Lord read in Isaiah when he read it in the synagogue from Isaiah 61 is that he has come to heal the brokenhearted and bring recovery of sight to the blind and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And I want to just pray for you as a community, for your leadership, for Pastor Albert, that the healing of the broken heart would take place. That the comfort that comes from His Spirit would minister to your hearts. That you would draw strength from the one in whom you live and move and have your being. Because, dearly beloved, he was broken for us. He was bruised for us. He was beaten for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I thank you for your healing presence, Lord. Touching hearts right now. Ministering to souls. Those that have cried, that have been lonely, have been struggling. Lord, I pray that you would lift up their countenance, that you would pour in the oil and the wine, Lord. The kind that restores the soul. Restore the soul of each household represented here, God. Restore the soul of the families here and restore the soul of living hope. Strengthen these people. Because you love them. And you are faithful to them. Lord, we don't measure your love by the amount of money or people we have. We measure by the one who has us. We are yours. Bought with price. 
Pour in your grace, Lord. Pour in your mercy, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for hardness. Forgive us, Lord, for holding back because of fear or confusion. And we thank you that as we turn to you, Lord, this is going to be a new season for this congregation, not because of the location of a city, but because of the location of the power of your spirit in them and who you are in them. Come on, Lord. Do this new thing. Make highways in the desert, God. Do this new thing in our midst, God. We can't do it ourselves. We, we've tried, Lord. We release control and we say, Lord, take the reins. Lord, lead this church by your spirit. Lord, bring back the tangible presence of your anointing and break the yokes of bondage in the name of Yeshua. We are so grateful to be your children, God. You're awesome in this place, mighty God. So we ask you to seal by your spirit your word today in our heart. Scripture says the enemy comes immediately to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll come with a great debate between our ears and try to rob us of the truth that the Lord's planted. But we submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee. Lord, we thank you that Romans 8 tells us that no one can take us from your hand. Height, nor depth, nor angel, nor power, nor principality. Things present, things past, things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which was wrought in Jesus Christ our Lord.